Welcome to the third episode of Your Time and the Run, the Hudson podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me, as always, is my fellow Brit, who would happily be Blex's bitch, Anthony Williams. <laughs> yeah, you just tell me where to go, mate. I'm on it. And the lady who is coming for you, bitch, Michelle Pierce Denneman. <laughs> Dr. Donna. <laughs> it's such a Michelle intro. <laughs> Oh, it's not. So not me. It just sounds so wonderful in an Australian accent. Oh, How's it going? I'm coming for you, bitch. You're a bad boy. Yeah, and it's only going to get worse. And it's been quite a fun week, I would say. Not just because of Hunted, but because of so much great television being watched by, by the Warriors from around the world. Mm-hmm. We can finally yes. actually discuss Dutch Mole. Yay. <laughs> And we might actually be able to push out a little Belgian mole discussion on uh, tomorrow's Amazing Race podcast, seeing as though Logan started watching that. Okay. Even better. In case you didn't pick up on the subtle hints from the last couple of podcasts that I've done, I'm slightly obsessed with uh, with Dutch mole, especially this year. It's been absolutely fantastic, and everyone should watch it. Indeed. After two episodes, I am bowled over with how good it is this year. And... The people who are listening include one Kevin O'Leary, who sent us some very nice tweets right before we started recording this podcast. Oh, I've not had Twitter open for... Which I deliberately haven't mentioned to you guys just yet, because I was waiting to spring it on you on the podcast. Oh, cool. I look forward to that. Kevin said, just listen to this. You guys know every detail of the program more than I do. Hey. Can we have a job? (laughs) So I replied saying, thanks for your kind words. You're welcome to schools on anything we don't know. And he replied, I think that should be the other way around. There's nothing you guys don't know. I'll listen to the next podcast over the weekend. Well done. Hey, thank you. thank you very much, Mr. Gold Command. Yes, so King of Gold Command, and this won't be the last time we discuss Gold Command, because I spotted something, is a friend of the show now, hopefully. As is Blex, but I'm not sure by the end of the podcast that will be as true. <laughs> yeah, if you are listening at this point, Blex, you could probably finish when Michael does the outro. I wouldn't hang around any time after that. About two and a half minutes before the end, because a certain Mr. Williams made a foolish, shall we say, bet last week. Yeah, yeah, foolhardy. He said, and I quote, I don't believe that Sandra and Mella have got into a car with a ghost agent. And quite rapidly, probably about one or two minutes into this episode, we find out that actually your instinct isn't as good as it should be. No, absolutely. I feel let down. I feel like it would have been a much better plot twist if they had got in a different car and it was all just clever editing. I overestimated the production crew. What can I say? The good thing about this is that you made a foolish punishment decision. Yeah. In our accidental discussion, which had some slight spoilers, accidentally, well done, Michelle. <laughs> you you did promise to to do something. Can you remind everyone what that was? Oh, did I, did I say I might do an extended Black's impression and maybe tell a bedtime story? I think you did, and it just so happens that you said this over to me. And <laughs> as I put on Twitter and actually said to you privately, it is the greatest stinger since the face cream clip. It is so 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 good. Yeah, we oh, you've just already need... done it. Yeah, I didn't trust myself to be able to do it live, so I spent a bit of time this afternoon on it. He put some production into this, far more than the rest <laughs> of the podcast is produced, can I find out? 
<laughs> I was thinking about this about 10-15 10, 10, minutes ago. Like, the Stingers are quite well known for being terribly produced because they're usually me haphazardly making innuendo of some description. Whereas this one is actually fantastically produced. <laughs> well then why wouldn't Lex want to hear it? Yeah, I'm sure he'll love it. <laughs> because it will bring back bad memories of when he does read a bedtime story. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there now. It's quite well known that Blex will end up reading a bedtime story. Yeah, yeah, it's not hard to find. Although, interestingly, the one clip that was released for Celebrity Hunted actually didn't end up making it onto the show. Oh, I don't remember that. It was Blex sent out a video taunting Jamie and Spencer, saying, basically, would you do this to your mum? Because they brought Spencer's mum, I think, in for questioning. Why are you putting your mum through this? Oh, okay. Whereas I think for the civilian one, we will see some of the videos that are still on the YouTube channel, because there's some particularly taunty ones in there. Mmm, up in the game. So, previously, eight fugitives were left on the run. After a close shave, Bob and Alex managed to escape Paul and Michelle in the Peak District. Jamie's home got raided, but his very pregnant wife gave nothing away. Sandra and Mel are hitchhiked from Edinburgh, but a combination of loose-lipped family members and their hitchhiking caught up with them as they ended the last episode having been picked up by one of Blex's best mates, the ghost agent. Mm-hmm. And do you remember we said these reminders of the Taco Bell girls who got caught in the back of a car yes. in a car park where they just opened the doors and grabbed them? How weird. How weird. I'm calling that being tacoed. That's my new phrase for it. You've just been tacoed. Yeah, can I point out, we know nothing about boot spoilers. I have some theories on who makes it far, because I saw the the wanted posters, which I can't actually remember when they appear. I think it's just after halfway. So I know who makes it up to that point, but I don't know any concrete boot spoilers. I certainly don't know in what order people go. So this is quite interesting to see our predictions actually being quite good. And Hunted is a show that obviously we have a lot less experience with than Amazing Race because we've only covered three series of this rather than 14 of Amazing Race. But we're starting to see the archetypes coming through. We're starting to be able to predict how people are going to get caught. And that's great for us because no one else is doing this. (laughs) <laughs> it makes us look reasonably clever until I go, no, 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 it's all a production trick. Yeah, I'm really glad you did that because it makes it look less like we're actually, you know, giving away spoilers every week. Uh, I promise you, I, I I worked really hard this year to be spoiler-free because there is a lot of potential spoilers if, you, if you're looking closely. So I stayed well away uh, while I knew they were on the run. So it's much more fun when it unfolds. Sadly, this week, I think the Yorkshire Evening Post may have put a spoiler out, but hey, never mind. Yeah, I was the complete opposite, because in Series 2, I was completely unspoiled, accidentally, and I missed out on a lot of the fun on social media, especially with them putting out loads of wanted posters and asking for tips, and it would have been hilarious to print call it. So this time, I, I didn't go looking for it, but I certainly wasn't against finding stuff out, and certain... Videos especially, and certain tweets, made their way to my attention. Mm-hmm. Which makes it more fun for me, because I can sit here, sitting on my hands, going, I know something that I can't say! <laughs> As opposed to Amazing Race, where I'm far too spoiled because of morons. Yeah. Well, no, you see, why do you go on 
things then. See, I deliberately don't go near RFF. I deliberately don't look at certain things. Well, the the Amazing Race spoilers came from the fact that far too many of these morons were flooding into Amazing Race fans, and obviously when people start reporting the post, we get notifications to say, this person's reported this post, we click onto it, we find out accidentally final three spoilers, like I did. Yeah, I'm too busy. I was too busy at any point last year to even (laughs) do any admin stuff at Amazing Race fans, so... Whereas Hunted, it's it's nice because I was following Blex and I was following Hunted HQ and occasionally you just saw the little tidbit that made you think, yeah, they're still on the run and wow at some of these antics. That is really gutsy. Unless they're pushing out stuff deliberately just to throw you off the trail. Yeah, I don't think any of this was, was deliberately misleading people on social media, put it that way. Yeah, we cut them all by day 16, but we just thought we'll put the wanted posters out anyway. So, we left Sandra and Miller in the back of a nondescript car with someone who can only show their eyes, heading towards Gretna Green Services. Which is nice for them. But sadly for them, they're not here to get married. They are here to be divorced from their time on their own. (laughs) Been working on that. Maybe a little. Gretna Green, in case you didn't know anyone who's listening, is the place where it's traditionally... A place where quickie marriages happen. It's like the Vegas of Scotland, basically. Really? Oh. Yeah, it's it's just over the Scottish border. I think his, historically there were different laws or different ages or something. So people traditionally used to elope to, to Gretna Green. You usually see some interesting characters in Gretna Green. Mm. Why? What's made it that way? Uh, it's just a, a it's just a place people now i think people now just go there to get married like like they do vegas because it's a thing um but yeah every time i've been there there's been interesting stuff actually i've just remembered yeah it was in the media over here for something because someone over there famous did something must have got married there god it must have been like 10 years ago though Mm. yeah it's quite well known and there is a whole load of F-words coming up to Sandra and Mella getting caught. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. They are genuinely surprised, I think. After last week's discussion about whether there was a watershed for, for swears on Channel 4, there really doesn't seem to be anymore. I know. It just seems like one week they'll bleep it, the next week they won't. I don't know what's going on there. It's so inconsistent. And it was on at the same time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock every Thursday. Very strange. And yeah, Sandra and Mella do get the Kirk and Jess treatment, and their time in the run is over on day 8. Ooh. Which is not bad, really. 8 days. It's a lot higher number than I would have expected them to get. Yeah, yeah, from from the initial, we're going camping, oh, we haven't got a tent, to actually make it 8 days is, is pretty good going, really. Yeah, I'm impressed with them. They exceeded my very, very, very low expectations for them. And they do say that they were too trusting. And Blacks even gets a little gloat saying, you shouldn't have trusted the guy who you got in your car with. Yeah, unlucky though. Pretty unlucky. I mean, that's never yeah, happened well, before, has it? Yeah, it's, it's generally a good strategy is to hitch lift from strangers. So I think unfortunate and not something that anybody could predict it because we've not had ghost agents before so just bad luck on that one i think it's quite amazing they got in the car though as much as i love blacks 
he was on one this week. This was the greatest hits of Peter Blackley being horrible to people. <laughs> yes. He was a bit of a dick. Gotta sell those books. Like, I, I say this with the greatest love for Black, but Summit was in the water them days. Yeah, he was on it. He was brilliant. I loved it. It was it was his show this week. It was great. He was proper gloaty when he got uh, Sandra and Mella. And he was <laughs> quite mean to Jamie. God. Yeah, as soon as I watched it, I paused that bit. And then I wrote to you, Michael. Just went, wow, look at him go. <laughs> <laughs> I think Blex really was quite personally hurt by people getting away the past two series. Mm-hmm. He really wants a clean sweep this year, and he's going to do anything he can to get it. That's what he said. And he certainly does not want to become a recruiting agent for the Freemasons. <laughs> no. <laughs> Although I'd be very surprised if there wasn't one or two members in Hunted HQ. And um, after eight days, the fugitives that are remaining on the run, i.e. not Sandra and Miller and Carlene, are spread out all over the country. And just one little point... This series really goes against equality because all the women went first. Mm. It's six guys left on the run now. That is true. Yeah, yeah. that occurred to me. Hunted three sausage party. <laughs> there weren't enough women in it. That that is very true. There was a third. So. And Joe and Dan's trail has gone cold, and they end up being in the Lake District. And this is the point where we're actually properly introduced to Joe and Dan, and I think. Firmly, they become a favourite of the podcast. <laughs> because not only do they mock Blex, which is a hobby of this podcast, but they also take the time to start on Sherlock, which is yeah. a hobby of this podcast. Absolutely. You know, my big ambition is one day someone refers to him as Sherlock on the show. Then we've we've done it. I will, I will hang up my microphone when that day happens. We yeah. got very close this week because... I know. We did. Really there close. was a smile. There was a smile. And I thought, I wonder if he's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Are we actually aware whether Sherlock is aware that we call him Sherlock? He must yes, be. Last year, there was something on Twitter. Was there? I don't remember that. I don't think he's ever directly acknowledged that we call him Sherlock. No, oh. not directly, but we mm. have mentioned him, and I thought, did he reply to a tweet or mm. something? I don't recall it, and, and I'm not no. aware that he's listened either. So, I would love it if, in an Amazing Race Asia style, the fact that Blex has now listened and the fact that Kevin O'Leary has now listened means that people are going to be listening in their lunch breaks or whatever at Hunted HQ. <laughs> that would bring me unbridled joy. <laughs> so, hello to all the hunters listening. Hey. Feel free to actually join us at any point you want. And especially hello to um, to Colin, who made his big breakthrough episode this week. The most unassuming of all of HQ. Colin! <laughs> hey, Colin. Go, Colin. He, he seems to have some sort of weird fetish, but I'm sure we'll get to that later. Having said that, my favourite teacher at school was called Colin, so I can't slug off all of Colin's. <laughs> hey, this was a good I've column, got a brother it? Colin I've got a Colin and a Kevin All the normal names <laughs> So yeah, Joe and Dan have a wonderful conversation Where they describe Ben as Blex's bitch And I must say Rival Anthony for best Blex impression we've heard Oh, that's disappointing That was some good impersonation work <laughs> 
I was very impressed. Uh, but it shows we're not that going they're... in order, are we? We're so we're not even started, have we? Not really, Michelle. It's we gonna just... take a while, isn't it? We're going Michael. through the order of the episode. Oh my god! Kind of. I love it how when Michelle has to do two podcasts a weekend with me, she gets really frustrated at me. <laughs> you know what? When they were in headquarters and they were talking about Jamie and Blake says something to the effect of, oh, well, that doesn't make him Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, he and he, then he looks at Ben and Ben slyly smiles at him and I went, oh, does he know? Does he listen? I think they're aware of us. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes things more fun. I like to think that's the case, but hey, we're good at spotting coincidence as human beings, aren't we? I, it's a great phrase, isn't it? He knows how to blow the doors off hinges, but that don't make him Sherlock Holmes. When did Sherlock Holmes blow doors off hinges? He's getting his Michael Caine and his Sherlock Holmes mixed up, surely. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. No way. My name. Michael Caine. And not a lot of people know that. <laughs> we haven't had Michael Caine for a while. I know. Have we ever had Michael Caine on the Hunsley podcast? Yes. Have we? Yes. I'm not sure if we've had him intentionally. I think I think maybe Black started out as a bit of a Michael yes, Caine. Yes, <laughs> he did. And that was the problem. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's nice to just have a little wink-wink nudge-nudge occasionally from Hunted to go, we know you're watching and we know you're going to be podcasting and we have your number. And can I point out, I have zero intention of ever being on this show. Ever. Yeah, I don't think I'd do it. I love podcasting about shows that I would never do ever in a million years. Which is why Michelle doesn't podcast about Australian Survivor anymore. Exactly. <laughs> okay, that's not the reason. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone. I've gone this show um, in Hunted HQ. I mean, I've got a great track record. I, I tracked down Kevin O'Leary earlier this week. I found him in Duxford. Did you? Yeah. Did you see? It? He posted a picture um, of a call sign of a plane and said, "Come on, would-be hunters, where am I today?" It's really hard to find out by googling the call sign and finding out that it was an old Concorde that's now in a museum in Duxford. Is that the Imperial War Museum, by any chance? Uh, I believe it is one of the Imperial War Museums, isn't it, in Duxford? Site of um, of the Amazing Race 3's Fast Forward. Uh, Driving the tank. There you go. And, uh, yeah, Jamie ends up being in Dorset, and Leslie's C-section is two and a half weeks into the hunt, which is rapidly approaching at this point. Yeah, it is. And, and there, there seemed to be a bit of time skipping going on, because there was references to being at day nine, and then it was suddenly day four. Oh, then... Well, how does the days work now? It's suddenly, it was suddenly day 14 or something. There was like a five-day gap. I think the most we saw this episode was 11. Hmm. I think this was broadly days 8 to 11. Oh, yeah, it was 14 days to go, wasn't it? Yeah, I've got 28 in my head because it always was. Which weirdly weighs the show backwards a little bit. Mm. We have a lot more material from the start of the show than we do from the end. Yeah. Which suggests to me that the Hunters are more successful than previous years. Could well be. And yeah, Jamie gets some backstory from Toddington. And um, yeah, he's getting a little bit too much backstory for me. Yeah, during the during the course of this episode, I went from uh, maybe to, ooh, this, this is positive, to, ah, I think we've had your story now. 
it's like it was like his story just unfolded in an hour and it started out quite positive and by the end of it i was pretty convinced that uh, he's probably going next week as much as we are on record as loving jamie on this podcast i think his time on the run's coming to an end next week yeah it certainly felt that at this point in the show with getting even more backstory and lots of emotional stuff and how he wants to be able to support his wife better because he's putting them under pressure with his working for himself. It all felt like it was building towards a really good outcome, but then by the end of the show, I think, no, it's just, just wrapping up his story. Did I tell you that Jamie uh, DM'd me as well? I think you mentioned that. Yeah, I can't remember whether I told you both or not, because this is after last week's podcast. No, not not me. Uh, so he said, hi Michael, uh, loved listening to this week's podcast, you guys are doing a great job, I'll be sure to listen in the future, Mrs C sends her regards, she now likes listening to your podcast to hear how great she is. <laughs> she is. <laughs> she is. So we need to um, to start praising Leslie a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> she's very good, she gives nothing away, she's fantastic. And she is the first woman on any reality show who is like me, who is... Well, hates the children. What? No, shush. <laughs> Who would do things for the good of a show, like, oh, yes, yeah. go off, husband, go and do your thing. I will have a child and then come back with money. You know, just just go and do, do life. You don't have to hang around and be some simpering woman who can't handle life by herself. So if Tom turned around and said, I want to go on Australian Survivor, how supportive would you be? Um, he can go. He wouldn't win. <laughs> no uh, how far do you think he would get? Oh, I don't think he'd even make Merge. Oh, man. Undateable, then. <laughs> yeah, she's great. She is. She's our favourite NPC of the uh, of the show so far. Mm-hmm. They both are, and... and- I really hoped he was going to make it to the end because as things get close to the end, you get really taunty and really cocky and it would have been good because I think he would have been able to do some pretty cool stuff. But I think it's unlikely now. But the ending certainly makes it look like Jamie's not going to survive longer than about five minutes of the next episode. Certainly feels that way. I can't can't think of a single case where hunters have got to a foot race and then lost sight. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as they were much more scared of Sandra and Meller in a foot race than Jamie. Yeah, it's not a good sign. It's, it but hasn't he got the two seconds. girls? He's got the two girls going after him. He has. He's got a chance. But He's got also, a chance. I would be legitimately scared of Nick and Danny chasing me. Oh, yeah. More than, more than most of the others, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, you don't mess with Nick and Danny. They are the only hunters who have a capture in every series so far. Yeah, they're, they're good. They're really good. They're going for their first ever second capture of a series next week. Mm-hmm. They're certainly more on the terrifying end of the Hunter teams. If I had to rank the Hunter teams, they would be quite high in terms of people I would never, ever, ever want to be chased by. <laughs> <laughs> it's women. You're just scared of women, Michael. <laughs> I have so much respect for women, Michelle, especially badass women. This is a legitimate consideration when I'm watching Hunter. It's like, would you actually want to get chased by them? Probably not. It's the same as the guy who tackled fake Nick last time. You would genuinely not want to get chased by him because he rugby tackles you into grass. Yeah. 
Like, you'd want to go peacefully rather than getting the shit kicked out of you on the way out. Yeah. Am I not wrong? No, you're right. I'm much more happy sat down quizzing than I am being chased by professional manhunters. Yep, I'm with you. And um, we go to Bob and Alex, who are smug and in Hampshire, and Bob somehow finds a rope swing. <laughs> I thought he was going to come go. a right cropper on that. <laughs> when he whacked into that tree roots, I thought, ooh, I think that hurt. Those tree roots are amazing. Yeah. But when he was doing that, I was like, oh, my God, how much fun would that be? And, yes, I was trying to think which of my children would be Alex, and that would be my youngest one because my eldest would be doing the swing with me. But I was thinking, how great is that? And then Dr. Donna comes on. <laughs> oh, my God. Dr. Donna Fun Sponge, as I'm going to call her now. <laughs> Jesus. What? So what, what does she call him? Oh, oh, he's, he's an overgrown lad. Well, I'm sorry, love. Do you ever have any fun? Oh, my God. Seriously, people can't have fun. And be a grown-up, they have to be called a lad, a girl, or a child if they want to have fun. Oh, my God. She made me so angry last night. <laughs> Growing up is overrated. Damn right so overrated. Is. Why would you do it? Yeah, whenever you got the opportunity to have fun, do it. Yep. Exactly. And, th- and this is all about them two connecting, isn't it? So isn't it fantastic that they're out there, they're enjoying themselves, they're not stressing out every minute of every day because it must be really stressful you know and it's great you know kick back and have a little bit of fun i think they've earned it and let's be abundantly clear this episode is textbook winner edit for bob and alex there is zero elements of their story in this episode that does not scream from the rooftops that they're winning this show yeah and even if the worst happens and they don't win the show we've now had enough that it's hey you know what you didn't win but you did a fantastic job and look how how much you've grown from the experience so i think we said pretty much the same thing about nick this time last time it was like we know he's going to win but even if he doesn't it doesn't matter at this point because they've achieved yeah just skipping ahead slightly i have a note written about alex where he says that he has a reason to be on the run and that's to prove that he's capable and worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where have we heard that before? Oh, wait, we nearly heard those exact words from Nick last year. Yeah, and, and we're getting evidence of it. You know, we, we get uh, get the intro that um, Alex is going to find it difficult to talk to people, and then we get Alex is talking to people. It's, it's brilliant redemption winner stuff, isn't it? It's, it's good. I love it. But also, on top of that, this elevates the Nick edit, because you have... Bob, who arguably wasn't the most supportive person he could be when Alex was younger, is learning how to deal with his son as part of being on the run, but also is a really like giddy child, happy father when Alex starts talking to the woman in the stable. Yeah. He's so yeah. made up for his son that it yeah. is wonderful to watch and wonderful television to see him basically be giddy about seeing his son overcome his his aspergers yeah it's it's brilliant stuff it's great it's a great episode for these guys i really enjoyed it from that Mm. perspective Uh, you know it's one you know we love the game but i think we're all into these kind of shows for the characters at the end of it and and these these guys are brilliant great characters i've said it before and i'll say it again you do not have a good reality show without great characters Mm -hmm. the casting is number one 
to get a good show because you, off the top of your head, you cannot think of any season of a show that you've enjoyed that has been great without a fantastic cast. Yeah, a good cast can make a mediocre mm. show brilliant, but the reverse isn't true. You 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 can do any literally anything with a bad cast, and it'll still come across as pretty poor. But then again, you also have to have a good boot order. So if I use the example of Amazing Race Canada, which still has the record as the longest preview we have ever done for a season at about three and a half hours total, because we had to split it into two parts because it was that big, that had one of the best casts in reality TV history. But the boot order was one of the worst in reality TV history. To the point where the worst team ever to race, in my opinion, won. Mm -hmm. That leaves a terrible, sour taste in your mouth when a really, really crap team overcome a cast of brilliant characters and Dana and Amanda. (laughs) You have to have the great characters, but you also have to have the great, satisfying ending, basically. It has to stick the landing. But why would they do that, Michael? Because it's all rigged and scripted, right? Oh, God, don't even get me started. (laughs) Triggered. That is my trigger. (laughs) It's quite well known that whenever I'm live-tweeting it and people go... Oh my god, it's so rigged. Oh, it's the worst show ever. I just sit there and go, No, it's not. Stop being a fucking idiot. And read the website. It's not hard. <laughs> or just don't watch it. Go and watch something that is scripted, if that's what you want. It's fine. There's great police procedurals, and also you will not be tarnishing my timeline. <laughs> just go and watch NCIS or something. Exactly. Go watch NCIS and leave me alone. That's all I have to say to you idiots who keep going on social media. Oh my god, this is so rigged. Of course they couldn't break into someone's house. It's like, there are rules in place. We we have explained Gold Command so many times and we will be explaining it again fairly soon because there's something I spotted. Please just leave the show alone. It's entertainment, but also there are rules in place to make sure it isn't rigged. Because you can't rig game shows. If you don't believe me, look up the game show scandal. <laughs> you can't tell people. Doesn't matter how many times. No. They, they um, always come back out of the woodwork. They're like <laughs> zombies in zombie shows. I know. And to be fair, there were less of them this week than last week. Yeah. Last week yeah. with the whole harassing Leslie, bugging everything in her house, breaking into her house thing, that got a lot of people's backs up. This week, not so much. But also the... How come there was a camera in the back of the ghost agent's car, but when he pulled up, the girls didn't see the cameraman? Oh, for God's sake. They film scenes. It can still not be rigged, but you can still film footage to make it make sense. And also, there were probably hidden cameras in the car. Well, yeah, but even if they weren't, it doesn't matter. I would put money on them having looked at the cameras and gone, have we got the shots we need? Yes or no? If we have, the girls can get carted off to wherever they get locked up for 25 days. If not, the girls will get brought back to the car and have to do some filming with the ghost agent or something. Exactly, yeah. We just need to take you back there and we need to do another shot of you getting in the car because we didn't get a clear shot. It's a TV show! Yeah, it's a TV show first and foremost, but there are rules and regulations in place to make sure you don't rig it. For example, with quiz shows, there's always an independent adjudicator on on site. They're completely separate from the production. They will stop filming whenever they want to if they they think that someone's cheating or that something 
hasn't gone right or how it should go. There are people in place to do this. There are people who literally do this as a job. And the person who does this on Hunted has been tweeting us. <laughs> he created the show. So anyway, so yeah. Mason, who knew? Yeah. <laughs> My dad was a Mason. Really? Yeah, he wouldn't tell me anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, of, of all the societies to be a member of, this is, this is pretty good for Hunted, right? <laughs> They've got some practice here. Do you think that they were cast because of the Mason connection? Well, I think it would have helped. It's everything that adds a bit of intrigue and mystery and builds the story. And, you know, if it's if it's neither of their birthdays while they're away, hey, why not? I don't think it would just be in primarily because of that. I mean, because they have just a, a good relationship anyway and a good story. Um, it wouldn't just be for no. no, but I would imagine when they're, they're looking into backstories, they'll be looking at angles and networks, won't they? Uh, you know, there's no, there would be no point casting someone who is absolutely a loner and has no network and, you know, just purely relies on strangers because there's, there's no story then, is there? It's going to make it a little bit dull from, from the hunted point of view. So I think they would have looked into it and thought, oh, this might provide a, an interesting angle for us to look at. Because if you remember with Lee and Hilmar, Lee got an email looking for escape room owners. Yeah, they're looking for interesting stories, aren't they? Yeah, mm. they sniff around interesting stories and think, hmm, who have we heard that might be interesting on this? And I suspect that Bob and Alex probably applied and the Freemason thing came up and they went, hmm, interesting story. Could be fun to actually tell. Because they don't want to do the same stories exactly. And they wouldn't just cast someone on the same archetype as Nick of the overcoming adversity thing. They would think, hmm, overcoming adversity, but also has the Freemasonry angle where secretive organisation can the hunters overcome it. Yeah, and you know, it's, we've had a few now ex special forces. It's, it's one of those angles that makes it a more interesting tale to tell, I think. I wonder if you two applied. Would um you have a more than average chance because you spend your time not having a go but dissecting it so much that I wonder if they think oh it'd be interesting to see these guys fail. That would that would that would be the angle, wouldn't it? We'd get caught on day one, definitely. <laughs> we would be caught so fast because I hate camping. I hate roughing it. <laughs> I'm so unbelievably unathletic when I need to be. <laughs> No, you ride bikes. You're not unathletic. I do, but I'm also quite slow occasionally. (laughs) (laughs) And I am, for want of a better term, I'm a gobby shite. I would be super cocky if I ever did go and hunted, which would never happen. I'm sorry, that took me a while to decipher that. (laughs) A gobby. Like, okay, did my grandmother ever say anything like that? Gob, mouth. Yeah, yeah, I'll okay, be shite. I'm loud. <laughs> loud and obnoxious. Yeah, they'd pull out all the stops, wouldn't they? So-called experts, eh? We'll show them. Blex would get our profile, go, these are the guys who do the podcast. They are our number one priority because we cannot show these <laughs> cocky little this. shits that anyone will get caught before them. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It'd be so good. God, I wish you'd do it. It wouldn't be good for one very good reason, Michelle. You would be podcasting alone. <laughs> we wouldn't be able to come on. Oh, but uh, wouldn't you? No. 
I'd have to do it with Logan. Oh, that'd be that'd be joy. That would be good. <laughs> it would be entertaining, but no. Oh, Jesus. I'm not even entertaining the idea of me ever doing Hunted. I never want to do this show. Just so <laughs> boring. You're so boring, Michael. There are certain shows that I would love to do, namely The Mole, but I would not want to do this. In fact, didn't we get asked that question um, in the studio at the Codan, what show we would want to do? Yeah. I thought we did. And obviously we said The Mole because it's the best show on TV. Yep. Yeah, I think that's precisely what we said. I know exactly what we said because I was like, any opportunity to talk about The Mole, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. It's the best show on TV. (laughs) And just after a quick glance of the Wikipedia page for Freemasonry, I found a particularly fun quote, which is that Masons must agree to support a fellow Mason in distress. Yeah, yeah, I was aware of that. That's that's part of the network thing. So, So they were ideally placed, aren't they? Yeah. This is the sort of story that they obviously want to tell. Yeah, and, and I, I feel like there's, there is more to tell. There was far too many name checks of Graham Skelton for it to just end with, I haven't got anything to tell you. Well, it's more the fact that they possess his computer and uh, find out what he's been having at Domino's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> must, have really? <laughs> must have been short of 30 seconds of content this week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and... Um, when Steve and Rich do scope out Graham, they say to him, do you think that Bob can be on the run for 28 days? Yes, I noticed that also. Slip of the tongue, or did we start out at 28 and for some reason things change? I'm not sure, but it's certainly interesting. It's very it's interesting. interesting. I, I am really fascinated as to why they've changed from 28 to 25. Yeah. What I think we need is someone to confirm it for us. <laughs> yes. There might be something completely innocent. You know, there was there might have been a, a filming clash and so they had to wrap it up because someone had to go off and do something else. It could be absolutely nothing to it, but it just seems it's just interesting. I guess we're just getting to the so forensic about this show. I just feel like I need to know everything now. Also, interestingly, um, this would have been the episode when the Manchester bombing would have been mentioned. Mm if it was going to be, because that was day nine, and we didn't hear anything, which I kind of expected, but it would have been interesting to see whether it affected anyone. They're not going to put it, keep it in. No, there's not really a way you can handle it without being accused of exploiting it, and it's just far too sensitive to get into, isn't it? doesn't go with the storyline either. No. No, and, and no, because clearly nobody was either, either directly or indirectly involved, so I think it's fine to just... And, and also, it also dates it, and they do seem to take quite a lot of effort. Not not completely, but they, they they do skirt around dates so that it's not apparent when they're talking about. So they talk about things happening in a number of days' time. It's very rare that they give fixed dates, unless they have to. Like the 2nd of June with Jamie's uh, C-section. Yeah, that would be the big exception. But other than that, they, they normally will talk about their on-day, whatever. This is going to happen in X number of days. I don't think I've ever heard them mention a month. You know, they, they, they're they very, very vague. And and I get that because based on some of the viewers, they, they, they struggle to understand the fact that it's not live. So I, I get why they would do that. Um, can we go back to when they're walking down the road, Bob and Alex? and 
uh, Bob is just talking about his relationship with Alex and, you know, he's just talking. Alex isn't saying anything and Alex every now and then would give a smile. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'd love to have known what Alex was thinking. Was he thinking, oh, God, Dad, have you got it, you've got it so wrong? Or, oh, Dad, yeah, okay, you've got it right, but yeah, I'm not going to give you any confirmation on that. <laughs> I think it's genuinely sweet to see the um, relationship between Bob and Alex sort of flourish in mm. this situation. It's something that we kind of take for granted on this sort of show, where actually when people are paired up, and it's the reason the American one did pairs only, is that it's nice to see the relationships between people, but it's also nice to see that evolve, especially in teams that are probably going to win, where they learn to rely on each other and win together rather than individually. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's, it's been really good. And Steve uh, looks over Jamie's footage from the ATM. I'm not entirely sure whether Steve is related to my cousin's boyfriend, by the way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Let's just think. (laughs) I did a quick bit of Googling on this because it's a very distinctive surname and it's the same surname. Uh, And I think they're from the same area of the world. So Hersey is the surname. Yeah, Hersey. Mm. Miles is his name. But I'm not sure if they're related or not. Well, but it would be an interesting claim to fame if they were. Ooh. Well, if you're listening, Steve, <laughs> are you related to Miles? There you go. That's that one done. Yes, please confirm it for me because I'm genuinely interested. It came to me at work earlier. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I wonder if they're actually related because this is a potentially interesting topic. Yeah. And um, Jamie wants to get a burner phone from a family friend called Sarah and he does end up borrowing a bike and leaving a note from her house. And now on to the most interesting bit of the episode for me, because I spotted something that was very quick on the screen in the next bit. Okay. But I'm wondering if you spotted it as well. Mm. So, Steve looks into the ANPR to Mm. work out any cars going forwards and backwards toward Ramsbottom and away from Ramsbottom within about a half-hour period. But, did you notice what it was listed as on the screen? Because it was a Google map. Mm, Go on, carry on. It was listed as Chris Witham ANPR. Uh-huh. Can uh, you get what I'm getting at here? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. This proves the existence of Gold Command because yeah. Steve did the the legwork to get the information. Gold Command approved of the investigation, gave him the information he wanted. Yeah. So now uh, he okay. didn't look at the ANPR cameras, obviously, and as it says at the start of the episode. Certain powers of the state have been replicated for the purpose of this program, including ANPR and CCTV. Mm. This is proof of how they do it. Yeah. So Steve does the legwork. Gold Command, Kevin O'Leary approves it. Yeah. He gives them, in the case of ANPR, the Google map listed as Chris Witham ANPR to give them the information they wanted. Yeah. So rather than trawling through all the vehicles and, and looking backwards and forwards, basically they go to Gold Command and say... We'd like to know, was was there a vehicle that went into this location and back out in this direction at this time? And they go, yep, there you go. That's the one you're looking for. That proves it. Yeah. Now, on on that topic, I, and this was a random thought that just happened to pop into my head on that scene. Um, and, it, and it was because I was thinking earlier in the week where we were having this discussion online about establishing shots and things like that, and that it's okay to come back and take a shot. And it suddenly occurred to me that would there be anything wrong in filming a scene like that where they didn't have a clue 
what what happened in and out but ultimately it doesn't lead to a capture anyway and it just makes them it just gives some more interesting content on something that they could have looked at or pointing out a missed lead yeah because the the hq stuff you have absolutely no idea on the chronology of it and i think we've mentioned this before they pretty much wear the same thing in every scene so you know any of these shots in hq could have all been done in post where they already know what's happened they know by then they know precisely where everybody was what they were doing what time and you know if they're lacking in a bit of content let's say for for argument's sake they don't catch jamie and and they get nowhere close to him rather than just keep saying don't know where he is they can then film these scenes and drop them in and say oh we we think he was here at this point we didn't find him but we think that's where he was i don't know just a thought yeah and it I think it all boils down to what we said, especially during the American ones, where the hunters are portrayed a lot differently in the UK one than in the US one. Yeah. In the UK one, it's a lot more us against the man. The hunters are a lot more infallible. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, in America, generally, as well as in the American hunted, it's sort of, these guys are heroes, you should always respect them. Mm. I felt the balance has moved a little bit back this, this series. I don't think we're... They're quite such caricature coppers as they have been, but but still. I mean, Blex has turned up to eleven this series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's be perfectly honest. That's true. If half of what I've heard about Blex's antics are true, the back end of this series is going to be amazing. But Blex is obviously turned up to eleven. Sherlock seems to be emulating him in that respect as well. I'm enjoying this series a lot, and especially this week. This week was a fantastic episode. Yeah, it's brilliant. We are moving extremely slowly, can I tell you? Yeah, we are, I don't care. <laughs> Jeez. It wasn't as good as the uh, the Nick decoy slash Ayo Madu split episode last year, but it was good enough. Yeah, there was loads of good stuff in it. And the last hit on the ANPR ends up being in Bristol. And interestingly, he started in Rochdale. Mm. Can't, I can't believe you missed him. They're, like, they're, they're basically just walking around either where you work or where you live for for a fortnight and you didn't spot them exactly i don't know exactly where the wood merchant is but i'm assuming it's sort of the other end of rochdale the end past the train station so at that point of time i would have been parking at the train station in fact that week if it's if it's the week i think it is i would have been driving into manchester that week so yet they genuinely would have been a mile from me at one point, at a guess, if that. But how could you not spot them when they've got a great big camera crew following them around? Oh. God, I have this conversation at work every week. They don't have a massive camera crew. They have GoPros. But even the, my, this this one really does trigger me. Is even if they do right, if I tell you right now there's a camera crew in the city near where you live, does that mean you can find them then? Surely you need to know more mm-hmm. than there's some people with a camera crew somewhere in the country. Oh, it must be easy to find them then. How close do you have to be? You've got to be on top of them to see that there's a camera person with them. They're like 20 foot away from them. Also, it's not going to be a proper camera crew because it's an embedded cameraman and producer combo. <laughs> but it doesn't even matter. Even if it was, you're still like yards away from them at the point when you see it. It's, it's not the camera crew that that leads you to the people, I promise you that. Can anyone tell that Anna and I have been on Twitter far too much of this series already? <laughs> Just going, stop being a moron! You're wrong! We need to recruit more troops. 
thank you, Mark Doyle, for your work this week. <laughs> it goes very much appreciated. Oh, God. It, it's really entertaining, obviously, but it's just so frustrating to have to say the same thing over and over and over again. It's like we're in an echo chamber occasionally. Oh, God. The lady at the wood merchant refuses to give any info, but a particularly loose-lipped guy who Jamie stayed with the night before um, tells them everything. Yeah, yeah, quite quite literally everything. Yeah, yeah th- this dude is going to be hunted down by the people of Rochdale. They're not known to be mild-mannered people. Oh, and it's one thing telling telling them, yeah, I picked him up and I dropped him off, but do you need to go into the intricate details of his emotional state to a complete stranger? It just seemed very odd to me. Oh, yeah, he was sobbing. It's uh, it's weird. It's it's obviously edited that way for a reason. We've so much about Jamie's emotional state is coming out. Yeah, but then again, that's another angle to the whole former police officer trope that they're using. I suppose rafty tafty. As opposed to the sort of Kirk and Jess thing where it was, we were in the army, we're tough. Yeah. Jamie's sort of more, yeah, I was. I did all of these things in the police, but actually, I'm a family man first and foremost. Yeah. And Blex says that he basically wants to stalk Leslie and put hunter teams on her 24-7 for the next 14 days. Well, good luck with that, because she ain't spilling nothing. And also, she took the tracker off her car, because she's yes. a police officer, she's going to check these things. Yes! Gold sticky star to Leslie for that. And, and, I know she loves she loves us talking about how awesome she is. You're awesome, Leslie. <laughs> but don't HQ go to, to say something like, oh, we think the tracker's offline at the moment. No, it's in a bin. <laughs> it's in a dump somewhere. Leslie made sure it was bin day and got it the hell away. Now, that would have been a great scene, wouldn't it? If they... <laughs> Yeah, we, we got hit on the tracker and then they turn around the corner and it's a dustbin lorry heading towards the dump. <laughs> Eight months pregnant and Leslie just goes out into the street and chucks the tracker in. Yeah. And Graham's emails are being monitored. They do say mail monitoring, but it's not mail monitoring, it's email monitoring. And it reveals that Bob sent him a message about meeting in a mysterious caravan outside of Masonry Lodge. Yeah. Which was a lovely callback to... Was the church thing a decoy, which I don't think it was. And then we get this, which shows that they can do decoys, which is kind of cool, because it's like, oh, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Honestly, I think the reason above everything else, apart from the fact that obviously I like Jamie, that I'm slightly disappointed it looks like he's getting caught next week, is that we've not had the atmospheric capture yet. The the sort of lolly outside the church from last year. Mm-hmm. Which I would argue is one of the most beautifully shot scenes in reality TV for a long while. It is gorgeously shot. It is good. And and ends with the line, I was manhandled by a big bush. Yeah. It just feels like there's something missing from this series when you don't have a, a proper atmospheric capture. No, we, we, we've not had quite as much tension so far as we used to. No, they've all been quite obvious captures so far. Like, we knew Sandra and Mella were not going to be lasting long. We knew Carlene wasn't going to last long. Yeah. I think we'll get them. I think we're going to get some good ones. Assuming Jamie does get caught next week, I think any other capture will probably be a sort of gut punch. Oh, this is, like, proper tense now, capture. Yeah. They were just easy captures. Yeah. And you're going to get them, aren't you? Every series, you're going to get a couple of... I think it just so happens that they've come early. The first ones have been really, really easy. But the caravan ends up being a particularly wonderful decoy, and 
the woman in the caravan really does not cooperate. It's it's delightful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I like the way she does it because she does it almost in a way that it's too much and that it, it makes them want to go and look even more because she's like, nope, definitely not in my caravan. Well, can we have a look? I can guarantee you they're not in there. <laughs> it's like, go on, just push them a bit harder. And then they walk in and like, told you, brilliant. It's her goodbye that makes me laugh the most. It's the, <laughs> yes. I hope you find your friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she was good. And it, and that was the point that sealed it for me. That That's where hashtag winner gets put into my notes. Yeah, Bob and Alex, I'm pretty sure they're winning. I don't think they're going to split up anymore. I think they're probably going to win. Mm-hmm. How, how, what are you willing to bet on this? <laughs> I'm not betting anything because we're not. I'm I'm not doing a Black's impression, reading a bedtime story. Okay. And when we got that bit, then when when the guy said about Jamie was crying, this was when Black's went off. <laughs> this is when Black's dialed it up to eleven. Oh wow! I don't think we've seen anything like that. In all the series. They really want to catch Jamie. Oh, yeah. This is maybe the most brutal edit we've seen since Ricky Allen. Yeah, it's occupational pride, I guess, isn't it? They They just want to catch one of their own. Yeah, definitely. Because it's the hardest one to catch. Yeah, it's the biggest challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Especially as he is, and I quote, roughy tufty. He's a (laughs) roughy tufty. I'm missing my wife. Did you see that Joe and Dan um, got that gif and uh, and bastardized it when they sent it to me last night? Yeah. So I sent a message out saying basically Joe and Dan are amazing for doing the Black's impression, and I got a a gif off them. I think it was captioned something like Black's reaction when he can't find the fugitives anymore. <laughs> I just I love Joe and Dan too much. <laughs> I really hope they make it to the end as well. I just want to see more of them. I don't know what's going on. We're we're like over halfway. Th- well, we are halfway through the show, and we know so little about them. We've seen such little bits about them, but they just feel like they've got a lot of potential. But I will say, in series one, Stephen and Martin, we didn't see anything of till episode four. Oh, that's confirmed because um, Sarah said that earlier in the week, didn't she? Yeah. Where's Majid? Seriously. Oh, he's in next week. God damn. He's still in Manchester. He's gone shopping, I think. I will confirm that Majid is in next week. He's mentioned in the press release. And now we actually get quite a bit of Joe and Dan where um, the silence is deafening when HQ talk about Joe and Dan. And Sherlock really, really hates their psychic. He does not like a cold lead, does he? I think that is the most displeased we've seen Sherlock since someone accidentally put his black t-shirts in the wash with his white ones. <laughs> <laughs> I love perpetuating that myth. And yeah, their side career as the Brothers of Swing is finally mentioned, as is their career as milkmen. Yeah. And just like me most days, they ask for a trophy when they win. Uh, and they're not even millennials. What's going on? It's not a participation trophy, it's a winning trophy, this one. Ah, uh, yeah. Proper Gen X winner's trophy. And their tactic is to seek help from places where they've previously performed as the Brothers of Swing. But more interestingly, on their whiteboard is the letter-number combination F6 circled. So what's that? My suspicion is final six. Uh. 
but we're not in Survivor. Yes, that's not an abbreviation we've seen before. I'm interested to know if there's actually a reason why it was on the whiteboard. Yeah, I might go back and have a look see if there's anything else. Because we see it a couple of times on Joe and Dan's board. F six. The F six is written on it. Your freeways are all air, aren't they? Mm. Motorway. Mm. And Blex has the tactic that he wants to invite people into HQ who know them very well and then get his best mate, the ghost agent, on the train to eavesdrop on their conversations, which is a cracking tactic. I love this move. This is genius move. But also, if you are a friend of Joe and Dan, and even if you think you're in private, don't discuss where they are! Yeah, but it would be so easy to do. I can totally empathise with falling for that. 100%. speaking code. I know, but you don't think like that. You know, they're not professionals, are they? I can absolutely see myself falling into that trap so easily. But surely you sit your friends and family down and say, I am going to be contacting you when I'm on the run. Do not say anything to anyone, including each other, unless Mm. I give you express permission. It's the including each other bit. I think, you know, if you're a co-conspirator, I think the temptation to talk about it would be overwhelming. And then the minute they're together, they'd be like, so what do you know? Oh, he's contacting me. Really? Oh, what's happening? I I think it'd be irresistible. I know, and I'm terrible with secrets. Like, for the code, I immediately came home and took that picture of the, the Hornsby train set with me, giving the middle finger to it, made my Facebook status Justice for Uhuru, hid clues everywhere, not just on the podcast. But like, I was so excited that it had happened that I couldn't help myself. And I entirely empathise with the people who obviously couldn't keep their lips shut. But for the love of God, if your friends are going to win a share of a hundred grand, you keep stum. Yeah, I, and there's, if I was in their situation, there's no way I would even suspect that they were up to that. My head would be so focused on, oh, when I get to Hunted HQ, I mustn't say this and I mustn't say that. I wouldn't even be thinking about it at that stage, and I I think it would just come out. I think you'd have to talk about it. Do you think that the Ghost Agent Antics is going to affect Series 4, if we get one? Uh, quite likely. I mean, it's the first time we've seen it, and we've seen it used twice to good effect. So... I think it's a safe bet that they're going to use this tactic again. So mm. if anyone is about to go on the show, they should really think about, you know, it's not just hunters that are obvious hunters. They could be some spies. And the ghost agent does overhear that Joe and Dan are in the lakes and have gained weight due to being half cut every night. <laughs> yeah. What is that? It's good. Yeah, they, they, they're getting rat asked every night. It's fine. Yeah, it's the Michaela school of hunted. It's brilliant. It's basically having a Christmas party every night. Yeah. My work Christmas party was hilarious because I don't drink. It was so funny. Just seeing the sore heads the next morning yeah. and seeing the sore heads on the night. Because <laughs> there was one guy at work who was trying to kiss everyone goodbye on the lips and did not remember a single moment of the party when I questioned him on it the next morning. That's a bit disappointing, isn't it, for him? It's disappointing for him. It's hilarious for me because I remembered it all <laughs> and could fill in the gaps for him. <laughs> and you know what I'm like? I love like telling people what they've been up to. It gave me such joy to be able to say to him, yeah, you tried to kiss everyone goodnight and you said that I'm one of your bestest friends and that you bloody love me genuinely. <laughs> and he actually did. <laughs> and all sorts of other fun stuff. <laughs> and his response was, yeah, don't believe anything I say when I'm drunk. 
course. You know what they say, in vino veritas. And our new favourite hunter is, of course, Colin, the most plain of all the HQ members. He's brilliant. I like Colin. Where, where's he been all these other weeks? And Colin, who is the anti-Sherlock, because he actually works stuff out. Yeah, he's good. So he mentions the correct theory of them travelling around, playing places that they've previously played and staying with them. Um, and he also mentions, by name, the Pheasant Inn, which is probably put in post, but that's beside the point. Yeah. I, I quite like Colin, although I was a little bit perturbed that he's fantasising about Bob lying on a bed in his pants eating crisps. Other than that, seems like a good bloke. Who doesn't dream about people in hunted lying on a bed wearing pants? Yeah, but of all the cast, I don't think Bob would be top of my list. No. Who would be top of your list? Nanny, you're going to say that. I, <laughs> I, I refuse to answer that on the grounds it may incriminate myself. Maybe when you make another stupid bet. <laughs> and yeah, Joe and Dan earn their keep by getting 50 quid each which suggests to me that people can give them money to yes. top up their funds Yeah, and, and I I was thinking about this because I said, it was when the girls were asking for a friend to bring them money and I was like, oh is that allowed? I thought it wasn't but then I do recall um, I think Io managed to get some money from from a mate or something I seem to recall he, he had a bit of cash on him so I think it is okay. I think it's fine. I think you can create cash while you're on the run. You definitely can't take your own with you. So you can't you can't you know raid your own bank and stick that in your pockets. But I think you can take the ATM money, and I think you can earn or receive money from people while you're on the run. I'm assuming there's an upper limit because otherwise you would just set up a network of say 25 friends to give you 50 quid each. You got 50 quid a day then, plus any funds out of the ATM. You can just like get taxis everywhere. Um, I would imagine, like many things, that would be an evolving rule. It won't be a rule until someone tries to do it, and then it'll be a rule. Which would be interesting. An interesting uh, idea of Anthony's on, on the run, and uh, it's t- 24 days in, into the hunt by just taking taxis everywhere. And staying at the Sheraton. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, this is tough, man. Oh, missing my family. Yeah, right. What would the rules be on, say, using Hotels.com? Free nights and getting your friends to donate them to you. Yeah, or yeah, I've, mm. I yeah, I get loyalty points with my hotel stays. Yeah, I could maybe just stack them up and just dot around the various holiday inns in the UK. <laughs> it would be the most boring series ever, though, wouldn't it? I love how we're probably just going to get a, a podcast tent this week, which is just we try and come up with new rules to flout. But you could do, you could go to a new holiday inn each time, and you could do a little rating for them. Yeah, maybe do a little crossover. Yeah, get some sponsorship. (laughs) To be fair, I do love a Holiday Inn. If there are Holiday Inns that want to give us free nights, please do. Just as if Tim Hortons are listening, hook up a brother, please. It's the best. (laughs) I am completely not above begging for sponsors here. No, I totally take sponsorship. Yeah, if you want to chuck us in a Holiday Inn night each, that's fine. I will take that off your hands happily. I'm in Sydney, by the way. I'm in Sydney, Australia. Thanks. Yeah, but you don't want one in Sydney. You want one in, like, an exotic location for you to go to, like, say, Samoa. (laughs) (laughs) It's one night. Well, it's going to cost 55. It's one night before Ponderosa, obviously. Oh, oh dear. But, yeah, if if anyone wants to hook us up with a hotel night, please do. (laughs) Or pretty much anything. Yeah, we will happily share your business for, for some freebies. Yep, there there's 
very little that would be off uh, out of bounds, I think. I would agree with that. And um, Joe and Dan do end up getting a lift from a bloke named Keith, keeping with the plain name theme of this series. (laughs) Not Agent Keith, though. Just a regular Keith. And uh, Charlotte from the inn pretends to have no idea who Joe and Dan are when the hunter comes in and hunts him. Yeah, not the most convincing, I have to say. But at least she didn't tell them anything. No, that's true. That is true. I mean, I think she kind of gave away that she knows full well who they are because he's like, oh, we've got a phone for him. Oh, okay then. Like, would you not go? No, I'm not taking that phone because I have no idea who it's for. And you sound really dodgy. But there's maybe some strategy in doing that. Yeah, maybe. Think about it because if she takes the phone for Joe and Dan and she knows full well Joe and Dan aren't coming back, the hunters are probably going to keep the pheasant in under surveillance therefore diverting resources away from where Joe and Dan actually are. Yeah, this is true. That would be what I would do in that situation. I would say, yeah, yeah, I know exactly who they are, if I knew they weren't coming back and it wasn't going to actually affect them. Mm. I would do everything in my power to divert the hell away from the actual truth. Yeah, or maybe even be, oh, they said they'd be back in 10 days. Why don't you wait? (laughs) Go sit in the corner for 10 days. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, weirdly they said that the, the extraction point was going to be getting a boat off Windermere. I think you should just stay around here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love when Sherlock told the, the hunters to go and pretend that they're friends and that they have to give them the phone. And immediately I'm thinking, being a parent, working with kids, you know, you, you always tell your children, don't go to anyone who says, I've got a lolly for you, I've got a puppy for you, you know, anything like that. And I'm thinking, oh, so this is the new thing. If you're going to go on hunted, you've got to tell your friends, don't get swayed by a burner phone or <laughs> anything like that. You know, just don't listen. <laughs> just say no, kids. Yeah. <laughs> this is the new adult warning. Stranger danger. <laughs> yes. I would love to see in Series 4 the hunters just turn up in an unmarked van with free burner phones spray painted on it. <laughs> I'll give you a free burner phone if you come inside <laughs> Anyway, on to the last part of our episode Which is, of course, going back to Jamie And Blex wants to pressure Leslie with multiple teams of ghosts Including the mysterious Agent P dun, dun. It's just like, it's, it's gone ghost crazy, hasn't it? This also known as Phineas off of Ferb But yeah, I think we should subtitle this Hunted 3 Ghost Island yeah, definitely. Yeah, where everybody's haunted by the mistakes of previous series. Sandra and Mella just slept under a tarp with all the, the snuffers from Survivor UK <laughs> perched on them, which is, of course, two. Yeah. I'm not even sure what happened to the snuffers of Survivor UK, because I'm assuming the respective hosts didn't keep them. No idea. It was in 2001, 2002, so who knows? It was a very long time ago. It was, but there's rumours of it coming back. Really? Yeah, the um, Castaway Productions have been shopping it around in the last six months or so Ooh. to try and uh, try and get a UK broadcaster again. Well, they'll be fine as long as they stick to the formula. Just do it properly. Don't try and make it Big Brother. Yeah, don't put too many twists in. Don't hype up the sex. Yeah, don't don't have a stupid after party show. Any of that rubbish. Just stick to the plot. Stick to the plan. But more importantly, just bring back the mole. Bring back the mole. Let me be a part of it. I will love you forever. Yeah. And 
Sarah ends up being Leslie's birthing partner, and the weekend was bad because she feels like she's constantly being followed, which is, of course, 100% true. Of course you're being followed, but you are the wife of the guy who they desperately want to catch to prove a point. But at least she's onto it. And Sarah offers to take Leslie for a walk, and they will just happen to stumble upon Jamie. Yeah. It's almost like it's a coincidence. Oh, this is where it all starts to turn a bit sour for me. It's like, oh, you're leading them right to where you are. This is not good. This is the point where you go, I'm just going to stand in an isolated area and I hope no one stumbles upon me. Mm. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, it's not looking good at this stage. And Jamie does get Sarah's family camper van as the getaway vehicle. Would you really choose a camper van as a getaway vehicle? It's not very fast, is it? And it's full of gumph. What is gumph? Is that an actual English word? Because what the hell? It just means stuff. Gump. <laughs> gump. Stuff. Yeah, it's just full of gump. God. I actually wrote it down and, and to make sure the P and the F were in the right places. <laughs> yeah, it's a good word. <laughs> I certainly would not want to to have a camper van as a getaway vehicle. Uh, it's, it's not exactly going to blend in, is it? That's... It's a bit too obvious and it's a bit too slow. But it's not as though they can speed anyway. I mean, it's going to do the speed limit regardless. No, but as we find out at the end of the episode, Nick and Danny are on his tail and he's not really going to be able to outspeed them. Mm. He needs um, a little little zippy car. And the ghost did follow Leslie but lost her at some red lights and there is a suspicious sheep. <laughs> All sheep are suspicious. I am the sheep of the answers. <laughs> <laughs> And I did notice, especially when Jamie's hiding in the undergrowth talking about suspicious sheep, that he's starting to look a lot like Spencer Matthews. I don't know whether it's just from the angle that the camera was at, but he's he looks a lot like Spencer. Maybe it's just when you've been on the run for so long, that's just what you start to look like. And Sherlock gets butterflies because he thinks they're very close to Jamie, which isn't exactly wrong, but they do need a little bit of luck to find him, because Leslie left her phone on. Yeah, which just feels a bit of a rookie error, doesn't it, really? Yeah, you've done so well removing the tracker, and you just forgot to remove the tracker in your pocket. Yeah. She is pregnant, though, and it does affect some women. Yeah, but also, just put your phone on airplane mode. Airplane mode is all you need for this. Or put your phone on someone else. Yeah, or leave it in the car. Yeah. And, yeah, the hunters do find out the rough area that Jamie is in. And Agent P goes out to sea, but he couldn't spot Jamie. And Jamie promises the cameraman a victory coke, but they drive past the car of the Anchors. Oh, my God, and he waved at them. (laughs) And the episode ends with Nick and Danny so beautifully putting it as, we're coming for you, bitch. Run, Jamie, run! So next time, Bob and Alex's driver is being followed... There's a, another load of swears, and Majid is being tracked. Ooh, so, what's going to happen next week? First things first, I will read you the press release, because I've actually got it up on my phone ready. Well done. Majid's accomplice spots a hunter, leading to a chase across the Peak District. Bob and Alex make a game-changing decision as the hunters target the Freemasons for information. Is that it? Episode 4 of 6. Wow, not a lot going on. No mention of Jamie, so he's first five minutes then. Yeah, as much as it pains me to say it, Jamie's getting caught in the first five minutes. It's a shame. No. I know, it, it hurts my heart 
to disparage a friend of the podcast here, but yeah, I think Jamie's time on the run will be over next week. Such a shame. Any bets that you're willing to make, Ant? I'm kind of weaning myself off that at the minute. Um, I'd, I'd almost be tempted to say Jamie will go in the first five minutes, so, but um, I won't say it, but it will not surprise me in the least when he when he does go. Do you think we'll get another capture next week? Um, no. Because if we don't, we're going into episode five with five people left. Yeah, I think that's all right. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Thinking about it, they the optimum number of teams or people in a, an episode is three. And we're down to four left. So if Jamie gets caught, we're getting towards the the limit of where they like to be in terms of telling the stories. Yeah, but you need to have a certain amount left by the end. Yeah, but also they can't really rig it too much in terms of how many days people survive on the run. Well, that's why they play with the timeline. Yeah, I think we're going to see Jamie get caught early, and it won't be another capture in that episode, but we will see one pretty early in episode five. Mm Mm-hmm. That makes sense. If we do see one, I think it might be Majid. Yeah, I was literally just about to say that. That's the only circumstance I can see. I can't see um, that they've drip-fed this much about Joe and Dan, and then they just get caught next week. That seems a bit odd. They could have given us way more if they were going. We know so little about Majid that I suspect he's going to get a load of content next week. Yeah, and if he gets bucket loads in that episode, I, I would be not too surprised if he just has a one-episode flame out and then he gets caught right at the end. And also, the other thing to take into consideration is the fact that it will then be two episodes on the trot where the capture has been at the start of the episode. They can't really continue that too much longer because it will become predictable. Mm-hmm. So they kind of have to end an episode with a capture fairly soon. Yeah, And I don't think that will be Jamie. No, not unless they decide to just ignore the fact that they were right on top of him until the last five minutes of the show, but that would be a bit odd. Well, it's going to open with Jamie, I would suspect, because it's going to lead out of the previously unhunted. Jamie accidentally gave way to the hunters, leading to them chasing him down, bitch. And then it'll cut to Jamie getting out of the van, probably getting caught, and then we'll go back to like Majid, get some backstory, he might get caught. Yeah, so I think yeah, I think we'll open up with that. I think next week all we'll see of Bob and Alex is wandering through the fields happily getting on like a house on fire. Well it looks like we're gonna get a bit of Bob and Alex with their driver being followed and having to make a quick getaway. Yeah, but I don't think there'll be a lot. And also, we're being teased with a game-changing decision. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Really? Yeah. In the in the press release, it's uh, Bob yeah, and Alex making a game-changing decision. Yeah, I hadn't mm. taken that on board. Hmm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't expect much of them next week. Uh, just enough to remind us that they're still in it and they're still doing well. We didn't get any inkling of Joe and Dan in there. No, but but they've got to be featured. Because we've got um, we've we've opened a story on them now that they're doing something, so it's got to lead somewhere. Even if it's just mm. we still don't know where they are, but we're trucking, we're you know we're checking places they've done gigs at. Um, so yeah, I would say early, early boot for Jamie. If there is another one, it'll be Magid right at the end. I think if we see any Joe and Dan, it's going to be them ramping up the cockiness. Yeah. If Bob and Alex are going to be our Nick, Joe and Dan are going to be our. Io, in terms of the cockiness, the taunting blacks, the really annoying hip. Yeah, and and that was what I was hoping from them. 
from the beginning. It just felt like that's who they'd be. Because there's still some bits that they're involved with that I've not had any inkling of making it to air yet, and I want them to air because I need to talk about them. Yeah, well, any antics have got to come out next week or the week after because otherwise in the final episode it's... It's, it's going to be too busy. Too late. Yeah, it's too busy yeah. with, with the final chase. So, And also we can't really have a final episode that it, that covers the last 11 days. We're going to have to start rattling through the days. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can only do about the last three or four days in the final episode, I think, really. One topic I am interested in, what do you think the extraction method is going to be? Obviously not the extraction point, because that's pretty much impossible to guess, but what do you think the extraction method's going to be? Well, we've had... We've had the most common ones, haven't we? Um, we had lots of helicopter stuff at the start. I wouldn't be surprised if we had a, a helicopter finish. See, I think it might be train, because they've mentioned train before. Yeah. Not in this series, obviously, but they've mentioned train, and I'm interested to see how an extraction by train would work. Yeah, because you, you've, you've got a lot of variables to control, haven't you? Or maybe a coach in Carleen's honour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, could be. Make your way back to the Manchester coach station. Yeah. And hope and pray Blex doesn't burst through the doors and say, you're Nick Sunshine. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm sure whatever it is, it'll be super dramatic. It's always it's always the best bit, isn't it? You know, the, the final chase is my favourite part. It is the best bit of every F-series. Definitely. So, anything else to say? Uh, no. No, loved it. Loved it this week. Yep, best episode of the series so far. I just realised I was on mute when I agreed with the helicopter thing. Oh, oh okay. Thanks for the backup. Yes, I, I agreed with helicopter. I know, I was talking, and I'm like, hang on. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other than filling in your Australian Survivor application, I couldn't see another reason for you to be, to be that quiet. I actually said helicopter before um, Ant said it. Yeah, of course you did. Backtracking oh now, God, Michelle. Backtracking now. Proof. I can't even show you anything. Uh, you can have <laughs> oh, that. by That's the way, fine. the Survivor apps had to be in last Monday. That was it. Did you apply? No. Why? Because I can't do it. There's still time for you to be recruited. If anyone from Australian Survivors listening, Michelle would love yeah. to do the show. Yeah. She has no problem with taking 55 days off of work. Uh-huh. In fact, they'd, they'd actively encourage her. All my friends who were called last year, called either phone or Skype, did not get a look in this year. Yeah. It's an unlucky year for reality TV warriors because Logan didn't get anything on Big Brother Canada or Amazing Race Canada either. Tragedy. Why don't they put him in? Doesn't he have a story? His story is the fact that I'm going to be sitting back here pissing myself when he goes out first. Obviously. Oh, so annoying. I think the one thing that we're holding on hope for now is Ben on uh, Chase Australia. Mm. He's the only one with an application actually in now. Yeah, but that's not a proper show, is it? <laughs> it's just stealing all of our chases at the moment. It's three of them now. <laughs> so... Thank you for listening to this Hunted Podcast. You can join us next weekend to recap episode number four. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, our own Twitter pages, MJ Harmstone for me, Bullsboy for Anthony, and Bear, 3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-
found herself all alone in the woods. And even though she said she was all rafty-tafty, really she was all like, oh, I'm scared of the hunter bears, they're coming to get me now. Anyway, she stumbled across a cabin in the woods and thought she was all safe and sound and off the grid. Well, we quickly tracked her down using some special methods that for production reasons I can't really discuss but just assume it was something very clever with computers or something like that. We found out that the owner of the cabin, a man by the name of Blaze, had been there just two days before so we brought him into Hunted HQ and I can tell you I soon had him singing like a canary. So I dispatched my crack team of ground hunters and spoke to my colleagues at Hunted HQ. Mummy Julie Bear said that she wanted to crush little Goldilocks. Daddy Ben Bear said that based on all the available evidence, we were probably looking for a young woman with blonde hair somewhere in the countryside. No shit, Sherlock. And baby Donna Bear said that given Goldilocks' love of oat-based hot breakfast products, she may be missing some warmth in her life, and she could be looking for something to help improve her self-esteem. To be honest, that bit was all bollocks. But it makes us look smarter than we really are, right? Even though the fugitive was in a remote location, I somehow contrived to get Danny and Nick wheel-spinning their way to catch them. But when they arrived, they found that Goldilocks had scarpered at some undetermined point in the past that was edited to make it look like she just slipped out the back door as we came in the front. Anyway, the next day, she called her mum from a so-called burn phone and we got her bang to rights. So the moral of this story is unless you avoid doing the absolute bleeding obvious, we will catch you and you'll be seeing more porridge than you bargained for. We all lived happily ever after. The end.